Welcome to the Franchise You Podcast, where key industry leaders provide education and inspiration. Here's your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser, the Director of the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. So welcome to another edition of Franchise You, where our goal is to educate and inspire. And we are going to do that today because today we're going to talk about the International Franchise Association, or as we know it in the industry, the IFA. And I'll talk a little bit about the IFA, but we have two people here who are the top leaders of the IFA who can tell us a whole lot more. So I have Matt Haller, who's the president and CEO of the IFA since June, even though he's been with the IFA for 11 years. And I read recently that what he really is, is the chief franchising industry advocate, which is just an amazing title to have. And Ricky Amos is the executive director of the IFA Foundation. She's been with the foundation for over three years, and her focus is on research and education and really connecting with the franchise community. Both have incredible prior experience in government relations, advocacy, and are such wonderful leaders for our franchising industry. Let me tell you a little bit about the IFA, then I'll have Matt and Ricky tell you even more. So first of all, the IFA is the world's largest organization for franchisors, franchisees, and actually all those suppliers that service the industry. It's been around for 60 years. It really works to advance the future of franchising. And even in the mission statement, it states that the IFA protects, enhances, and promotes franchising. And they do this all through events, advocacy, education, and really helping folks understand what a great industry this is to work in and to be a part of and to grow a future. So I'm going to ask Matt to tell us even a little bit more about the IFA. Welcome, Matt. So glad you're here. Thank you. It's great to be here. And uh, congratulations to you guys for getting this podcast going. It's so great to have so many channels to promote franchising to new audiences and to have conversations with people in this great uh, industry, which really isn't an industry at all. It's really a business model used by so many different industries, uh, around 300 or so different business formats uh, use the franchise business model to grow and scale their brands. And uh, that really makes up the membership that you outlined, Kathleen, uh, at, in your intro. We have around 1,100 different brands, franchisors, uh, like Yum, um, which has four brands, uh, KFC, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell being the most widely known uh, of them. And we have around 50,000 franchisees also as members, although there are uh, quite a few more franchisees. These are the people who own and operate local franchise businesses uh, in every neighborhood around the country. Um, around 730,000 total franchise locations in the United States. Um, and then we have, you mentioned the suppliers. We have around 700 supplier member companies uh, as part of our association. And that could be everybody from Coca-Cola and Pepsi that sell products into lots of the restaurant companies or companies like Ecolab um, that manufacture, you know, cleaning supplies and so many other things, as well as you know, law firms and marketing firms, and technology providers, uh, and many other types of people that do business in franchising. And, you know, that's, that's how we uh, exist as a trade association. You mentioned my role as our chief advocate. Uh, that's, you know, one of the three prongs of our mission statement. And our mission is to protect, promote, and enhance franchising. Uh, the protect bucket is, you know, largely the government relations and advocacy work. The uh, promote piece kind of deals with 
how do we create awareness of franchising um, for our member companies about people that might want to become franchisees or people that want to start out a new brand and franchise it and learn from some of the greatest companies that are out there. Uh, and then enhance, that's just where the foundation really comes in, uh, is how do we create best-in-class franchising business practices and ensure that we have a very healthy uh, channel of commerce that our members can do business in with the appropriate regulation um, that um, federal and state governments have in place to protect not just brands, but also prospective owners and purchasers of, uh, of the business. So I'll pause there um, and let you introduce Ricky. Well, that was a great overview of the IFA and everything you've said I have seen in action. And so it has, it's, it's wonderful to have you all talk about that more. And you did end with the whole component of the education, which is what Ricky, you lead for the, for the IFA. So welcome to you, Ricky. It's great to have you here as well. And if you would tell us a little bit more about the foundation and what you provide to the model. Thanks so much, Kathy. Thanks for having us here today and, and talking about this. It's such a pleasure, um, you know, even more so in, in terms of the alignment of the opportunity, having Matt new in his role and, and giving an additional chance to elevate him out into the into the world. Many people have already known him in franchising, but, um, you know, getting a chance to shine a light on the on the vision of where um, he and the IFA and all of us as, as the staff uh, as part of franchising are, are leaning into um, helping craft a better future for franchising each and every day, which is a big part of what the foundation is here to help do. So, you know, I'll start big picture a little bit, and then we'll we'll focus down into the education so we see how all that fits together. So the most important way I describe it is that the IFA Foundation um, is here to raise awareness of the franchise business model. And then on top of that, make sure people understand just how much of a positive impact franchising is having on its local communities. Um, you know, there's a lot of misperceptions. I feel like we're in the era of misperceptions right now. And then, so a big part of what we do is helping people have a more accurate understanding of what franchising is and what it does and how it makes people's small business dreams come true from, you know, those in you know, first uh, first generation immigrants to the United States, to people who have come back and transitioned from uh, military service and into civilian life, and they're finding ways to um, to generate business opportunities. And you know, people who have created brands and have created just multi generational wealth in uh, within their families because they had a, a really great idea one time, and then they brought people along with their dreams too. So, we're a big part of just helping people be educated and understand about the model itself. What is it? How does it work? Why is it good? And then how, you know, are, are the stories that we can tell that demonstrate people's individual stories that just bring it to life, right? The, the data can tell us one thing. It's quite another when you see the stories about, about what makes it true. So, you know, you were mentioning during your your great introduction already that a big part of that is the education, a part of that is the research that we do, and a part of that is the community and engagement and an outreach that we are part of. So we have five particular programs that we, we support um, in alignment with the IFA as well. So I mentioned one already. We have a vet friend program and a diversity institute program. These two in particular are great examples about how we reach out um, into the top of the pipeline into franchising. People who um, might not know that franchising exists, might not realize it's the way to achieve their small business ownership dreams. And then how do we educate them about the model? How do we teach them about um, accessing capital? How do we teach them about how to manage their business? Because not franchising isn't taught in a lot of business schools. 
you know, your, uh, University of Louisville is is one of the the leaders out there changing that and raising awareness of the model. And so we're so excited to be partners with you all in in helping to do that very thing. Uh, we also have programs like a um, one called Franchising Gives Back. Franchisors, franchisees, the whole franchising sector are some of the most philanthropic contributors to their local communities. Boy, do these people understand how much being part of their community matters, right? So they're donating to their um, hours, volunteer hours of service, um, goods and services, events, like you name it. Um, so our Franchising Gives Back program is wanting to make sure that people realizing that's franchising in action right there, taking care of their communities. Um, and then the last pillar, knowing a big part of what we're talking about today is about education. Both at the IFA and the IFA Foundation, you know, education is kind of heart and soul to what it is we want to do. So the foundation has our Institute of Certified Franchise Executives. So those who are in franchising, who are wanting to earn their, their credential, their official certification that they have um, been trained and elevated in the best practices in, um, in franchise uh, education, including through courses and content at the University of Louisville, that is with us, but then we also have just a, a slew of other educational opportunities through our events, our webinars, member um, conventions, like you name it. Uh, we are always focused on what's going on in franchising right now. What are our members and the general community need to know? How can we play a part in teaching them about that? So everybody has the tools, resources, and information to really succeed. So um, with that, I'll stop there too, so we can get into more of the details. That was great. What a wonderful overview. And you know, one of the things that has really surprised me, especially with students, and of course, with our undergraduate program, especially, is how misunderstood the franchising model is, and that not really understanding what are the opportunities in franchising, because what most folks think of as franchising is a very small part of it. It doesn't mean owning a restaurant necessarily. It can, which is a great business but it can mean so much more. So Matt, if I were to ask you, can you tell us a little bit more about some of the opportunities in franchising? Sure, and you mentioned the misperception and, and people think of franchise, they just think of restaurants. Um, the quick service restaurant or fast food restaurant area is only about 30% of franchising. Um, and the restaurant category is only about 40 total percent. Uh, there's so many others at, at actually quite a lower um, cost of investment, particularly in areas like personal services or business services, you know, commercial and residential services. So that whole service sector is, is really enormous outside of the restaurant industry. Um, of course, we have the hospitality sector, which includes uh, hotels and motels um, and other travel-related franchises. Um, there's lots of other traditional retailers that are franchised uh, out there, as, as well as uh, companies in the healthcare space. And, um, you know, there's really, there's around 3,000 total franchise concepts uh, in the U.S. actively selling franchises in any, any given year, according to some industry research that we have. And so, you know, the range of investment uh, is really from the low, you know, five figures to well into the millions of dollars. Um, so there's really something for everybody. Now, we always like to caution that franchising is, of course, not for everybody because, yeah, there is a certain amount of, um, you know, control that you're giving up uh, when you decide to go into franchising as a franchise owner. And, um, you know, that works quite well for people that, you know, are willing to uh, give up that amount of control. But, you know, of course, the benefits, you know, were, were sort of uh, somewhat biased here and given what we do. But uh, you're, you're buying, you know, an established concept in most cases. Uh, and you're getting support from the brand 
uh, from so many people that know how to do franchising to help make that brand successful. So we like to say in franchising, you go into business for yourself, but not by yourself. Excellent. That is such a good thing to say. And, you know, in franchising, one of the things I remind my students is it's not just becoming a franchisee, which is a wonderful opportunity, but it could be working for a major franchisor, or it could also be working in the supplier industry. Because as you mentioned earlier, there are just so many companies that support the model as well as are involved in the model. Yeah, that's a really important point. Um, so like I mentioned earlier, we have around 1,100 brands that are members of our association, and there's around 3,000 total franchising concepts out there. Each one of those has you know, a corporate infrastructure uh, and a number of you know, roles within uh, you know, the hierarchy of that company. So you've got obviously a CEO, uh, you've got typically a development team, you've got a franchise relations team. Uh, you have a marketing team, you know, communication team, depending on the size of the company, you might have, you know, in-house legal uh, and, and things like that. Uh, and, and it's a very specialized area of work. So once you get into franchising, um, you can kind of move around. It's a really uh, unique community. Uh, and that's where some of the, the programs uh, like your center um, are really uh, helping raise awareness, not just of the ability to become an owner, but also you know, get in if you, you know, want to become a lawyer, but you're not aware of, you know, you're not certain which area of law you might want to go into, you know, franchise law is, it's, it's the essence of the business, uh, because it's a contractual relationship between the brand and the owner. Um, and there's, you know, all sorts of other uh, areas of specialty from operations to marketing that are very unique to franchising, um, that would highly encourage people to take a look at. That's wonderful. Yes, there is a lot of work. I can attest to that. In this particular model, there's a ton of work. So, Ricky, when you came into the franchising industry from your background, what was one thing that surprised you about the franchise model itself and the opportunities? Well, I think I'd, I'd reflect on first exactly what Matt was just talking about. I mean, the fact that um, how few brands I was aware of that were actually franchised to begin with. I mean, I think that's just like such a starting point. The fact that I, uh, that the Marriott down the street um, is that so many hotels are, are franchised. I like what we've been talking about here. The, the ones we think about and know the most are the, the fast food, the quick service restaurants and the like, but just the depth and breadth of how many different types of entities are out there but then when I also think about it too, like what I would layer on when we, when you think about, you were talking about the education and inspiration part and, and the goals of what we talk about. I think the other thing that really just struck me from the beginning is just how many that I have met in franchising, just how deeply passionate and committed they are to the, to, and to the franchise business model, to their communities, to the IFA I mean, I, um, I've never seen, I think, a, a group of members, I think, so driven and committed. And it, it makes a lot of sense, right? When you get down to it, you realize you have a, a collection of members who are entrepreneurs and they built things out of nothing and um, and have brought people along for the, the journey as well. But I think that was always something that struck me from the, the very beginning is just the, the sheer commitment level um, to support and advocate for the business model to educate people about it, um, and then particularly how to bring others along. I mean, there's such a focus within the IFA and the members saying, I wish somebody had been talking to me about the franchise business model even earlier than I came to know it. If I had known this was available 10 years earlier, um, that what I wish I knew then. 
so I think those are those are the two things: the depth and the breadth, and the, just the level of commitment and um, and support to advance the model. I think is just is amazing. Oh, and I couldn't agree with that more. During my experience with Jan, many of the franchisees that I met, it was just incredible and inspirational to see their level of passion. And that um, brings me to a quote that I read, Matt, that you actually said was some of the smartest, most talented people in the world are in franchising. We want to hear from them so we can grow and evolve. You want to elaborate on that a little bit? Well, sure. Uh, I mean, I said that because I knew nothing about franchising when I started at IFA 10 plus years ago. And, you know, I knew how to do, you know, communications and public affairs and government relations work for other industries, but I never knew about franchising. And so, you know, these incredibly talented, smart people that built brands or operated locations, um, they taught me about why this model is so unique and what, you know, I needed to know in order to promote it and to protect it. Um, and if you think about what you're really doing in franchising, you know, you're, you're, you know, companies like uh, a Starbucks, I mean, it's a great company, but you'll, you'll never, you can work at Starbucks your entire life. You'll never own the company. You can work in a franchise and actually own a piece of that brand um, and build equity. And the person that starts the, these brands and ultimately makes that decision, Hey, we're going to franchise this concept. They're putting something that is uniquely theirs into the hands of, you know, somebody that they trust so deeply in, in such a, such a powerful um, tool. So I think that's really what I meant um, is, is there's just such an element of trust that you're putting um, in that relationship between a brand and somebody who builds a brand and ultimately decides to franchise it to other individuals uh, to help that brand grow and help that individual create equity and build wealth for themselves. And then there's just, there's so many examples as you've touched on in some of your other podcasts um, about individual franchisees then sort of paying that forward um, inside of their own little franchising enterprise. Uh, so there are franchisees that own you know, hundreds or even thousands of locations and have built these empires and are giving equity ownership opportunities to some of their employees and ultimately selling off pieces of that individual franchisee business to people that works in frontline jobs, became man assistant managers, managers of an individual or multiple location, and now they own a piece of that brand too. So it's just an incredible multiplier effect in franchising um, that is totally unique to this business model and something that, you know, really is, I think, undervalued and underappreciated in sort of the public discourse. And so that's why, you know, opportunities like this to raise awareness of it um, to new audiences are great. You know, Matt, that's so interesting because in later podcasts, we will feature some of those franchisees who've done exactly what you've talked about, taken someone on their team and help them become an owner. And I think there's are very few models that allow for that. So I'm glad you you have uh, teed that up. So Ricky, I'm going to ask you one more question about the franchising model itself. But what do you think is needed right now in the world of franchising? I think about like one word and then everything that grows from it. I think what what franchising needs, needs right now, it needs opportunity. You know, it's it opportunity means so many things in the franchise business model to begin with, right? I mean, we're all at a time right now where I think we need a little positivity, we need a little inspiration, but we also need to see the path forward. And uh, I think the franchising business model, if you're already in it or you're looking for ways, it's a reliable roadmap, you know, mm -hmm. to help people be able to achieve that. So, 
you know, when I think about the word opportunity, it's right. It's it's opportunity to have the freedom to execute the model, to work with your communities, to bring people along in it. Um, and you know, Matt could certainly speak about on the IFA side about you know how the IFA works on that regarding government relations policy, like you name it. You know, and on the foundation side, though, it's a lot about teaching people and empowering people with the tools, the information, the network, and the community to really help them succeed. We've, we've clearly, we've talked about how we have passionate people, we've got models that work, what we do, what we need to do is we find more of them, bring them in, teach them, help them learn about the model, give them the tools and resources to succeed, then kind of step out of the way and, wa and watch what they start to create and thrive, you know, and I think from that, history tells us that franchising is an incredibly powerful uh, recovery model in communities as you know during economic recovery we know numbers increase from veterans and from underrepresented communities who are looking for different paths forward to kind of own their own destiny um, in terms of small business opportunities so I that's what I think about a lot like in this time and space and what we're kind of recovering from that our fact that our communities need, um, thriving and healthy business people who are looking to um, find their success through small business ownership, but they want to do it in a way in a, what feels like a risky time where maybe they have a greater chance to succeed. And so being able to connect the dots about the franchising business model, solving that, um, being that solution for uh, future entrepreneurs, for those who are looking to kind of grow and, um, and and just really make that opportunity come to life. So I think that's that's how I would describe it right now. You know, I'm really glad you brought the part up about communities because I know we really believe that you can change communities with franchising because you will hire within communities. So franchising is a great growth model, not only to build generational wealth, within an individual or family, but also to empower the communities. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Couldn't agree more. Well, let's switch gears just a little bit. And let's talk about advocacy. And I know, Matt, this is what you're passionate about and advocacy in terms of protecting the franchise model. And that is written directly within your mission. And so there are several current issues that the IFA has focused on in the industry. And I'd just like you to um, briefly talk maybe about two. And the first one is the IFA did a lot of great work to support the Paycheck Protection Program in franchising. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, the pandemic impacted, you know, everybody in America, really around the globe in, in so many ways, and franchising was not exempt from that. Um, and you touched on the perception issues of franchising earlier. And you know, part of that perception can bleed into our uh, elected leaders in some cases, but this is really a time where we realized that um, no matter, you know, what party you come from, you understand the, that franchising at the end of the day, these, these owners uh, and these businesses are owned and operated by individual people in their communities and members of Congress across the board, they know them, they have relationships with them as part of what IFA uh, helps um, formulate. And when the Paycheck Protection Program and other pandemic relief um, bills were being debated there in those early days of the pandemic last March, uh, you know, we really stepped up and made sure that the uniqueness of franchising was recognized as that program was being developed and that we needed, uh, I don't want to call it a carve out because that's not what it was. It was just the way that we do business needed to be recognized in the law that they were drafting. And you know, the, the resources that were being set aside for small business needed to be available for franchise owners who are competing for employees, 
when they were forced to be shut down by um, governors and mayors and in the same way that non-franchise businesses were, you know, they were losing revenue and they wanted to maintain that connection with their employees. So, you know, we were able to achieve the outcome that we wanted. Um, franchising was acknowledged on a location per location basis um, for an individual borrower who wanted to take out a PPP loan to get access to that program. Uh, so, you know, yes, thousands of franchisees within the same brand in many cases took out individual PPP loans. Unfortunately, and Ricky touched on this earlier, we live in an era of uh, misinformation and uh, and you know lots of thing lots of uh, headline driven uh, journalism can create misperceptions uh, or or create uh, stories that generate clickbait as I like to call it and unfortunately that is a lot of what we saw with the coverage mm -hmm. of uh, you know thousands you know McDonald's franchisees taking you know millions of dollars in PPP loans and sort of robbing uh, you know truly small businesses well. You know, we fought back aggressively against uh, that that media narrative, and you know, we continue to make sure that in in future uh, uh, phases of the PPP and other government relief work, like the Restaurant Recovery Fund, uh, that ultimately came online later in the pandemic, uh, that franchising continued to be eligible for relief on a per location basis, um, and that and that they will continue to receive um, acknowledgement as the small business owners uh, that they are. So that was a great achievement. Um, it, you know, it took a lot of coalition work um, with other organizations beyond just the IFA, um, such as the Restaurant Association, the Retail Federation, the Hotel Lodging Association, and really, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't the associations that that matter. We just create the platform for our members to engage, and you know, more franchisees than I've ever come into contact in my 10 plus years at IFA got engaged in direct advocacy with their members of Congress. Um, and said, you know, we need to be recognized as small business owners and maintain that because we're impacted just in the same way that non-franchise businesses are. Oh, exactly. I remember reading that and was um, really impressed with all the efforts that were made there because they are. They are definitely small business owners, but you're right. It can be misconstrued sometimes. And so that was a major um, accomplishment for the franchising model. So I know that was a big one. The one you're working on now is a major threat to franchising is the PRO Act. Would you tell us a little bit about that and the potential impact? So the PRO Act, uh, PRO stands for Protecting the Right to Organize. So this is a, this is a union um, sponsored piece of legislation. It has about 30 different provisions in it. Uh, I'll focus just on the one that is most harmful to the franchise business model. Uh, it's something called the Joint Employer Standard. And, you know, just like uh, there was some uh, attempt to conflate that franchisees and franchisors um, were, you know, part of the same enterprise in the in the in the PPP uh, loan process. There's been this ongoing push by organized labor to change labor law and turn franchisees and franchisors into one business for the purposes of union organizing and liability. And, you know, the, there, there's a lot of legalese that I don't want to bore your audience with uh, too much. But in, in essence, uh, it would be a lot more uh, cost effective um, and convenient for a labor union to organize one large company rather than the individual small businesses that make up any franchise organization. And so what the labor unions want Congress to do is move the goalposts in the middle of the game. 
on our business model and turn every franchisee into a joint employer with their brand that they contract with. We're never going to let that happen, um, but it's something that is on the table in Congress right now via this PRO Act, um, and it's something that there are only 47 uh, co-sponsors of in the United States Senate, and largely the reason that there are 53 senators who disagree with this policy uh, is because of the voice of franchisees and the voice of franchisors and IFA and other organizations who have said, what you're going to do if you turn these small business owners into employees of this brand uh, is completely upend all the equity and all the great things that we've talked about for the last half hour on this call. Uh, and so we're not going to let that happen, um, but it is out there. It is a risk, and it's a very political discussion because unions are a major political force uh, with largely the Democratic Party. And right now, the Democrats have control of the White House, the Senate, and the House of Representatives. So it's, an uphill, it's not an uphill battle. I think we're winning the battle, um, but we need to continue to stay engaged in the fight. I do think one of the things I, I read an interesting article from the franchisee perspective, and particularly from a female franchisee perspective, and they were concerned about joint employer because one of the benefits of franchising is that they're able to set their own schedule, work their own business, and really be an entrepreneur within a given proven business model. Well, there's fear that the PRO Act would change that and make them, in essence, an employer of who they've decided to franchise with. And it was an interesting perspective that I really had not thought of, but there are two sides to this where it definitely can cause some issues for franchisors and franchisees. So appreciate the work you're doing there for sure. Let's um, switch gears one more time. And the last thing we'll talk about is the education and, and the future. And so Ricky, you touched on earlier that the IFA has a credential called the Certified Franchise Executive. So why don't you talk a little bit about that and the benefits? Thanks, Kathy. Happy to do that. You know, I think, first off, I'm going to put it in the context. So why do we have a CFE and what is what are its goals too? So I'll elevate it even one step further first, you know, and say at the International Franchise Association, something that we are all driven by and down through our members is we want to help our members achieve excellence in their franchise through their systems and just driving for success. You know, everybody wins when the franchisees succeed and the franchisors succeed and the model represents itself well and it really helps to uplift communities and individuals. And so what we want to do through all of our education is making sure again that we're putting the tools and information and resources out in front of people to help them do that. And, you know, as with um, we were talking about earlier uh, before, there aren't really that many programs that teach people franchising. Right, so Louisville is is one that has, has rolled out a great program, and we know there are a couple of other um, higher education institutions that are doing it or thinking about it. Because I think as our work is is expanding to help people understand that this business model exists, they realize that they they have a an, a growing interest to to teach people about it and show them the way and the path. But um, you know, to take it then one step closer to the the question that we're talking about here, like within the sector and within those that are franchising. You know, like a lot of other sectors, we wanted to have a certification standard, something that says, you know, a universal understanding of what best practices are and ways that you know the most important things for self-regulation and self-management uh, to help yourself and those in your system succeed by committing to this educational path to understand the things that you need to know um, to be certified. So for those who 
you know, might be the returning veteran who wants to get an, an, a franchise or be part of a franchise system, having a certification helps them because they're not teaching franchising in the U.S. Army is my guess, right? But this is a great way to learn the most important basics. Um, you know, so it is like a lot of other industry um, credentials. It is a demonstrated process and commitment, a, a collection of um, hours of study. It's tested. It is vetted. Um, we have great members of a board, of, of a representative board across the franchising sector who help advise us on what we as the IFA need to ensure are the shared standards and commitments uh, across those who are practicing within franchising. Uh, and so it's it's a credential that takes on average probably about two years for individuals to earn. Um, and, and once they're part of that certified franchise executive, we see a, a lot of our members who um, kind of like pass the torch, so to speak, through in their organizations because they see it as a great way to help make sure that anybody else they're bringing into the system has a shared understanding um, about what are the most important things that we need to understand about the franchise business model. So uh, we have about 3,000 CFEs growing um, each year, and we're very excited to see that. Um, and we'll continue to, to grow in that regard. And I think aside from some of the most, the additional benefits for doing something like a certification, you know, like why if I'm in franchising, maybe I've been running my business for you know, 10 years, why should I go get my CFE? You know, some of the other things I add to, right, is we've been talking about franchising continues to evolve, right? The rules of the road change yearly, you know, sometimes more quickly. Um, and so you know, part of having and maintaining that certification, one, you just build a fantastic network of people who are equally committed to advancing their own knowledge uh, of the industry. And it's an incredibly generous community in terms of helping support each other and succeed. And uh, like through the pandemic and people are trying to problem solve through challenges and resources, being able to rely on each other. How are you doing this? And so you get a really great informal community too, but then you layer over it an ongoing commitment to formal education and, uh, and a commitment to achieve excellence within your franchise brands. So uh, we, we encourage as many people as possible within franchising to join the journey and, and come and get their CFE. That's wonderful. And you know, the CEO of Yum Brands, David Gibbs, he will state that one of the successes of anyone is constant learning, being an avid learner. And our industry is changing so rapidly, exactly what Matt just shared about everything that's happening and staying up to date on that, as well as just what are the ins and outs of the model, which is typically not taught at a franchisor. So that's wonderful. Well, it's hard to believe our time is coming to an end. And we sure talked a lot a lot today. We talked about the franchising model itself, some of the advocacy work the IFA is doing, as well as the educational work. And the IFA is just a wonderful resource. And I think people don't understand that you can go to franchising.org and actually get just an incredible amount of information on your website. You all have one of the best websites to grab tons of information. So would that be the best way for, for people to find out more about the IFA, either one of you? Franchise.org is a, is a wonderful resource for a whole host of information, events. Uh, you can get um, information on uh, what we're doing in government relations, and you can link off to some of the foundation programs that Ricky talked about. Uh, I'll also just flag, there's two other you know, great resources for people that are evangelists for franchising um, that they may want to check out. Franchise Economy 
Stats.com is a really cool website that talks about the economic impact statistics, and you can even break it down by state and congressional district. So, you know, if you're ever speaking to, you know, a member of Congress or, you know, students and you want to share information about how many franchises are in a particular state or how many jobs or how much economic output, Franchise Economy has a whole host of graphics and drop-down menus and things you can play around with there, which is pretty cool. And then the on the advocacy side, I would flag uh, our Franchise Action Network. Um, you can go to FranchiseActionNetwork.com, and that allows you to get alerts about issues of importance at the federal, state, or local level, where IFA is asking our members or people that want to be advocates for franchising to join the cause. And you can create a custom, uh, you can get a custom template letter on a particular issue that you can send off to your uh, member Congress or uh, state or um, local official on a particular issue. Wonderful. It's so great to have a couple of extra resources. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's great. So one last question for each of you. And um, if you would just give me a, a quick version on, I, I love to know at the end is, is there anything you wish you had known when you entered franchising? When you first started, is there anything you wish you had known in the beginning? Ricky, you want to go first? Yeah, so, so it's one of two things. Like one, like the answer related to what we're talking about here too, is that there was so much, right? As franchising was new as a business model to me. So I I just wanted to understand as much as possible about it quickly. So I I got my my CFE in my first year at the IFA. So I felt like I, I was on on ground where I could I could speak from. The other part is I'll admit at times I'm like, man, I wish I had known about this when I was back in my 20s figuring out what I was going to do with my career because I've seen what people have accomplished from it. And um, at times, you know, you kind of wonder if I had known then what I know now, would I have would I have made some made some different choices, perhaps, because it's really quite inspiring. Which is a reason for us to yeah, have I'll a say, graduate. Go ahead, Matt. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say everything uh, because I have the same answer, and everybody always like friends or people that I meet and tell them what I do. They're like, "Oh, so what's the best franchise to buy?" And I'm like, "I just wish I knew about the opportunity to do that, you know, earlier in, in my career, because it, it is such a great wealth generation tool, um, and there's so many great success stories out there. So I, I, I think, you know, just awareness, I think, is is what I wish I knew." then and you know it's part of my job now that's wonderful well you all provided such great information about the services that ifa provides the work you're doing for franchising is so important so i can't thank you enough for giving your time on this podcast thank you all so much franchise you is brought to you by the yum center for global franchise excellence at the university of louisville for more information on the center visit business.louisville.edu slash yum cgfe Thank you for listening to Franchise You.